Welcome to Descender from Clarnum, a podcast where we dive deep into the design topics we all think about, but don't talk about enough. I'm Melanie Lovebird, a product designer at Clarnum. Each episode of our show this season, we have chosen a big global topic, but hope to bring that conversation down to the real world as our designers reflect on how they're tackling it in their daily work lives. This week, we have Oscar and Joe talking about their experiences with building out Clarna's in-store shopping experience. Oscar Linger is a curious, prototype-loving product designer from our Stockholm office who enjoys learning new shortcuts in Figma and seeking new ways to make workflows more efficient. Before joining Klarna, Oscar helped to design the Spotify app for Garmin smartwatches, which he himself continues to use daily on his runs to and from the office. He currently works with our in-store team, designing inclusive and efficient ways for shoppers to pay with Klarna in physical stores. You can find him on Instagram at Oscar's Doodles. What is your preferred tool for doodling, Oscar? Oh, yeah. So I really like vector graphics. So I typically use the iPad and Illustrator, and then I can sit for hours at a time and just have some, have some fun. Nice. I will maybe request a, request a doodle sometime. And then Joe Shepry is a design lead at Klarna in our Munich office with 10 years of experience in product design. He currently works alongside Oscar and our in-store team. And in the last year, he has been collaborating with CXOs, directors, engineers, data scientists, and research experts to articulate our in-store vision and deliver impactful products to market. When not juggling stakeholders, he enjoys spending time with his two daughters, drawing or writing rap songs. So you mentioned that you do rap in French, but have you ever tried rapping in English as well? I did. It didn't sound too good though. So I think I, I'll stick to French for rapping. Well, curious to hear some of your, some of your beats. Cool. Okay. So now we can, uh, we can jump into our topic. So for me, I see that there's kind of a lot of tech companies that focus is on the digital experience, which, you know, makes sense. We're in tech. However, even if the experience is primarily mobile, we as designers need to consider the context of where users are using the app in the physical world, which can be a bit of a challenge. Even with extensive user testing, it's difficult to get an accurate insight into that space. We are always able to be next to a user on the street as they're trying to open up and uh, navigate the app. So this is why I'm particularly interested in talking with you two, because I feel that within Klarna, your team is one that has this kind of close relationship with the physical environment and insight into what challenges or interesting opportunities that may arise. So to kick it off, could one of you maybe just explain a little bit what it means when we talk about the in-store experience with Klarna? And what exactly does, does your team manage? Okay. Yeah, we have the in-store group and in that we have several teams. And we all kind of work towards this Klarna experience for when you're shopping in physical stores. So I primarily work with the different ways you can pay in stores, for example, with QR code or with digital card. And Joe, you're working with some map features and stuff. Yes. With the geolocation team, we are of course looking at our in-store map and, and also the SKU team. We have our third designer, Masha, who started recently at Klarna and we're looking at all the the different new features. Those teams are based in Madrid and that's pretty much it. Nice. So I guess kind of with that, obviously a lot of challenges and opportunities that you guys face. What do you, you see as kind of the way that you're bridging the gap between shopping digitally and shopping physically? Because, you know, Klarna, a lot of people think of Klarna and think online shopping. So where are you kind of like bridging that gap? So, yeah, I think the first thing is to focus on the customer journeys and customers' contexts in the physical store. And we can do that to kind of understand the different user needs and, and problems that actually exist there. The journeys inside a store may be quite different from browsing on different websites online. We want to make sure that we're designed for real user needs uh, rather than what we assume that to be based on our experience of designing for digital journeys. So 
if you take a scenario where you are in a department store and you have just found a really nice pair of shoes that you want to buy and you, you go to the queue, you stand in line and it's kind of like a busy and loud store. And when you reach the checkout counter and want to pay, maybe you cannot hear the store staff so much. You feel the time pressure of people behind you. And when you're paying, maybe you have a poor internet connection. So here we want to make it easy to make a quick and fast payment. But in other cases where you're, for example, just browsing around in the store, searching for inspiration, maybe you then feel the materials, try the jumper in the changing rooms, but you can't find the right sides or so. So in those scenarios, maybe we can support the discovery part of the uh, shopping experience. So then when we kind of know and understand more of the customer journeys, then we can explore how to leverage the advantages of digital technologies so that we can support the user needs, the different touch points and so on. Cool. And so I'm curious, the fact that both of you are in a different parts of, of the in-store, is there any in-store experiences that have really inspired you that you look to as a good inspiration? We have super apps in Asia, definitely, such as WeChat, Alipay. Thinking of Alipay, you know, with their four main functions on the top of the page and their mini programs, it's crazy. You can like book hotel, grab a taxi, manage parcels. I think there's like some games as well with the CO2 emissions. Everyone is using it every day. So it's very inspirational for us. Personally, I really like Yuka. It's I think a French startup where you're able to scan barcodes of food uh, items and get like additional information. Oh, this contains a lot of sugar. I used to love like those cookies, but they're actually really bad for you. <laughs> And then you end up like scanning everything in the, in the supermarket. It's very, very interesting. Third one, I would say Hero, the startup that actually Klarna acquired last year. They have fantastic immersive shopping experience to quote our, our CEO. And last, I I've seen Canada Goose. They had this experimental retail experience with like interactive installation. So they projected on the wall, like some snowy backgrounds and like, really like uh, you'd see a uh, a snowstorm, the room temperature would drop. So I guess they would put like full air conditioning or so it gets windy and then they would try on those winter jackets. So it, it was very innovative. People felt, you know, the product, they experienced it in a different, uh, environment and they filmed this whole, this whole experience, this whole cool ideas. And then they shared it online on social networks and made a lot of noise. I think that was a, a cool in-store experience. Oscar, do you have any good ones I've missed? I think one very basic one that I use every day is just Apple Pay and the fact that I don't really need physical cards anymore. So I just carry around my phone and then I can use it to pay everywhere, which I think is awesome. And then a second way here in Stockholm, they recently started with the way where you can pay for subway tickets with your credit card. So you don't need the hassle of kind of buying and filling up a subway card anymore, but you can just pay. Like in other bigger cities, just pay with your credit card. And in my case, then I would just use the, the phone and Apple Pay, and then you can go into uh, Subway. Those basic everyday uh, things where it makes everything a little bit easier, makes a big difference, I think. So one of the main problems that you've had to solve or tackle with customer experience-wise is divining the in-store experience. Yes, I can start. So in-store is a significant customer acquisition channel for Klarna, right? So we had a look at discovery, onboarding new users, and those were really challenging. Let's start maybe from the moment on where 
as Oscar mentioned, when users get into a shopping mall or a store, there's like some in-store signage that explains or inform users that they can pay with Klarna. We tested a lot those different signage. We worked with UX copywriter to get the best, you know, best copy, the clearest. Should we mention, you know, some payment methods or should we just mention Klarna? So there were loads of research being done there. And, and we realized also that before the pandemic, some users, for example, in the, some shoppers in the States didn't really, they weren't really aware or QR codes were not a big thing. They felt a bit confused. They didn't know how to use it. And, and then <laughs> here we go, two or three years later, like everybody scans QRs and use one. So this has, have changed quite a lot and, and we, we need to adapt. So, and then of course there are things that you don't figure out when you sit behind a computer and you push some pixels, you might have the best app design experience, but then if the Wi-Fi, for example, in the shopping mall is bad, then users cannot download the app or it will take a lot of time that they'll get frustrated. So that's also, you know, technical aspects that we didn't necessarily think of at the beginning but they became essential and, and really big pain points. So we had to tackle those as well. And then to get a bit more into detail. So we had a lot of different research in different countries and we had a look at the whole digital cards, the whole in-store card experience. And we, we found some, some pain points at the different stages. It could be like 11 to 12 stages, even more, for example, steps as a new user. And one of them, for example, setting up a budget for your in-store card was quite unclear. Some competitors give you straight away, you know, an amount based on, on, on your, your purchase power. And, and uh, for us, it was, it was a lot of confusion for our, our shoppers. And then also that we required, or we suggested to include taxes as well. Uh, another one was finding or selecting your, the store that you're in that also felt uncool for our users. They were expecting to see, or they, they were expecting the store to pop up. And on that, we, we, this is why we created the, the new in-store map that shows like nearby stores. We redesigned our, our in-store home as well with, with store tiles, including like the search. So that was, I think, useful features that were expressed by, like, by directly by our shoppers. Copy wise as well, we switched from the in-store to pay in-store. There was some confusion there. People thought it was, had something to do with delivery or click and collect in store, you know, get it delivered in store, but no. And then some, 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 also some confusion and drop off on our provision card screen. I remember when I joined, I think to save resources and time, we used to have like a similar design to our one-time card, which is another product for like online shopping. And we had some serious drop off at this stage. So we redesigned and tailored it for our in-store case. And we saw like a very positive freeze in card creation and conversion rate after, after that design, we first did some preference tests and then we AB tested it and yeah, that's it. So I guess for you, any additional difficulties you've faced kind of designing for the, for the physical space. And so when looking at physical and stores, we need to both design for the shopper and the store stamp and inside the store in the context of, of that, we also need to cater for the the interaction between store staff and, and shoppers and also the range of devices and equipment that, for example, the store staff use and the devices that shopper use. 
And when we do that, there are different scenarios in which some combinations enable different ways for us to design payment solutions for. And we want to you know, be inclusive, to include everyone in the sense of paying with Klarna, but also to be efficient. So find the best and optimal solution for each of these scenarios. So if you take some example, then a lot of stores have terminal systems. So then you can usually, you know, just tap and pay with your regular card. And if in the market where you're in, you have access to the Klarna card, which is worked on by another team at Klarna, then you can just tap and pay. But in the case where you're in another market where this is not available, then we in in-store have this in-store card that Yo mentioned before, where you can create a card for a specific store and then use that to put into Apple Google Pay, and then you can tap to pay on the, in the terminal. But of course, there is some setup time when you add it to the, the wallets. So we also have other ways which are faster. And one way is that QR code that we mentioned, where, for example, if the store staff have access to a barcode scanner, what you can do is to let the shopper show a QR code in the Klarna app, and the store staff will take the barcode scanner and scan it from the shopper's phone. But if they don't have a barcode scanner, what you can do with them is if they have like a monitor, which you can turn to face the customer or like a terminal system, which could show QR codes, then the store staff could show a QR code, which a shopper would kind of scan with a mobile phone camera. So it can go in reverse and, and the QR payments are really fast in that sense. But in the case where kind of these things aren't available in some stores, then we can always fall back on SMS email and they can be used, for example, if the shopper has access to like a touchscreen, so they, the sales can enter their uh, phone number or email, or if they say those things aloud and the store staff would enter it into the system. So those are some ways for the shopper to pay in store. And just to add to the complexity a little bit, then some stores also have self-service checkouts. So then the store staff may not be interacting with the shoppers, but the shoppers just go up to display and enter their details and pay by themselves. And in that case, maybe the store staff has more of a monitoring role, ready for questions and help if needed. What is your communication with the, with the store staff? Like, how do you... If you've designed these certain scenarios of like, oh, this one, it needs to be QR code. This one, it needs to be this. How do you get that information on the ground to the store staff? Yeah. So this is a really interesting topic. It depends on the level of integration they have with Klarna and what types of system they have. So they could, for example, have the, the Klarna point of sale, app, which is an app that we provide for store staff. And that in that app, they could open up different ways to, to pay, for example, with QR codes. That could be one way of doing it. And otherwise, maybe they have integrated some of Klarna's system into their own system. And then they could, for example, then show a QR code or, or some of that. With having all these different markets and, and whatnot, I would imagine that with COVID not really being able to go to the physical stores, how, like, what do you think has been the, the challenges in, in that regard? And so I think in-person field research has been more sort of more difficult with the travel restrictions and people staying at home and in quarantine. So then we've kind of during that time, taken a look at other available options in our toolkit, right? So then 
Remote research has been one of them, where we have done a lot of usability tests and interviews online, but we've also done a lot of unmoderated testing. And I think, Joe, you did some cool unmoderated testing quite recently, right? Yes, indeed. We've been using some really cool research tools with our UX researchers. We had Maze, Usability Hub, a user test, I think user interviews as well. I haven't used that one yet, but with those tools, so we, we've been working on like very different, like, uh, research and tests. Some are design surveys with some questions we want to uh, dig into. Some are preference tests, you know, uh, which design. Uh, do you think works better here or there, uh, giving like four different options. Some are prototype tests where users need to complete a task. And uh, that's great. You get to, you know, explore new ways of gathering and analyzing quantitative and qualitative data. And, and for example, on user testing, I mean, some of our unmoderated tests felt, it felt like we were just in a room as well with those users. And another one, thinking of other challenges, we've seen our US volume, like dropping off a cliff to take a, to quote our, our product director. So stores, of course, were closed from March, 2020 for, you know, a couple of months. And I mean, it, it was sad when we looked at our graph and our KPIs, but on the bright side, it also gave us uh, the team, the opportunity to really focus on product improvements without any interruption, without any, you know, merchant requests or deadlines that sometimes come and then like you need to reshuffle, reprioritize or work on your roadmap. Here I had a feeling that for a year we were just focusing on like providing and redesigning the best in-store product. And I think like looking at the flow, how it looked like in 2020 and then in 2021, we've changed literally all our screens from onboarding to setting an amount to payment reviews to provision cards and, and volume like over this year has increased by almost like 600% from 2021, from 2020 to 2021 in the U S just to give you a, and like a, a sneak peek. Wow. That's quite the jump. Oscar, I thought you had some, also some issues regarding like delayed equipment. Oh yeah, yeah. So in our team, focusing on the QR codes and things, then we use barcode scanners to test the design of those, to see that there's enough contrast and enough size of them to be kind of scannable and readable from a, from a distance. So now we wanted to buy another type of barcode scanner to see how it could work differently. But due to the pandemic, of course, then there was a lot of shipment issues in that parts, electronic parts, which manufacturers couldn't get a hold of. So this new barcode scanner, we actually haven't received yet. It's taken a long time. So we might take a look at other barcode scanners. It's an alternative. Yeah, that's tricky. I can't imagine having to, to wait on a barcode scanners to come in to have to test your stuff. Yeah, I guess with that too, I know you mentioned earlier, Oscar, that this, so really, I think it's crazy, all the different complexities of different ways that you can get into the same experience. Are you also having to request like, you know, terminals and, and all of that stuff to test with, or do you just do more like that in-store? It's, it's a great question. We haven't actually tested so much with terminal scanners at the office, but that could be a nice thing to do, test the functionalities and, and those kind of things. I think 
considering the, the physical space and how we can design for that, there's some really interesting stuff going on with the, the terminals and the QRs and things in terms of actions that the different actors do in store. So just to add to that, for example, the shoppers, do they need to tap to pay with their hand on the phone? Do they need to show something on the phone in terms of the QR code? Do they need to scan something? Or do they need to tap on a touchscreen to insert some data point? And these are interesting also because it's interacting with the store staff who might, you know, scan things and do things as well, but they're also doing it from a distance. So for example, then the, the QR codes that we're testing, they need to be readable from where the store staff is standing. So we need to design them in a way in which they are readable, but we also have fallbacks. So we, we do also provide like a barcode for some older scanners. And that one also needs to be readable, of course. And if that one also fails, that we have another fallback, which is basically a six digits number. That one doesn't have to be readable by machine, but rather readable by a person. So that we need to consider that one as well. It's quite fun to see interaction between two people standing next to each other and then how they can kind of interact to create this payment. You've made some really cool research on, on those like readability of, of QRs, right? For the distance and measuring like which, which QR is being read and, and by like, you know, certain distance. Yeah, it was very nice to see those. It's interesting how we can balance between full readability and also to put in some of the branding and some quirkiness to make them recognizable. Uh, so for example, can we have some rounded corners? Can the, the, the very square squares, the dots, for example, and, and those kind of things. So we're testing on at what distances they can still be readable by most barcode scanners and, and things. Super interesting. So, yeah, so you've been kind of tweaking the actual QR code itself as well, like the design of the QR code. Yeah, exactly. It's a piece of art. Well, I remember kind of the classic example that they would always make fun of is when people put QR codes like on billboards and it's like, how is it possible that anyone's going to scan a QR code from a billboard or putting it in some space that's very far away? So I think it's definitely super relevant to be able to kind of have that feedback and, and research of like, what is, what is going to, going to work at, at certain distances, like very guerrilla research. <laughs> yeah. I guess one interesting example was the Super Bowl with the Coinbase QR code, which was, I guess, very viral. Uh, but then they were showing just a QR code on the screen, jumping around, and then people could scan that one and get to their website. I guess one contributor to the more common use of QR codes in that sense. Yeah. I've, I've seen also something really, really inspirational. I think it was Alipay. I'm not sure, but it was in China. There were loads of drones and they put it together and created like a QR code that you could scan like in the sky. Like everybody was like taking their phone out and trying to scan the QR. It was really a nice idea. QR codes are taking over the world. Yeah. <laughs> so are drones. <laughs> well, it seems like there's a lot of both challenges, obviously, and just interesting things. I want to know what is going to maybe frustrates you. And then on the other side, what then motivates you to keep going? Yeah. So challenges. I'm thinking of like the fact that when we, when we launched our in-store cards, the markets were Australia and, and the US, and that was quite difficult for us being based in, in Europe to fly over and to really test the product in the appropriate environment, in the right context. So I think that was very difficult, but uh, it, it's coming here as well. So that's the good sign. And that would, I think that's what keeps us motivated as well. And then last, I think 
what is also very challenging is looking at this and like building, trying to elevate our product, the vision, and then at the same time, taking care of short term deadlines. So breaking our vision into, you know, what's going to be in 12 months, but also in six months and then in three months, I think this is very challenging, but it's also a great exercise because you get a, a clear idea of where we're going. And you get to, you know, participate and, and build something innovative, something new, something fun. I think uh, one challenging with designing for in-store and physical space is to, to test the various scenarios yourself in actual stores, right? So some features may not only be, uh, may not be available in certain markets and some scenarios may only exist in certain stores or brands that may not be available in your city. So. I really like to travel for these types of research, but in the cases where we need some fast insights and, and data on how things work, I think one advantage of being a truly global company is that we have colleagues all over the world who are happy to help out and try out different things in different stores, which is really fun. And now when uh, maybe traveling gets more cool, could be a really nice thing to spur us onwards and inspire us to do more fun stuff. Yeah, kind of building on that just kind of final questions with like do you feel that these challenges that you've mentioned like so you mentioned them they were unique to the in-store but the hurdles they have to face you think they're bigger than the ones that maybe other teams have to face in regards to the ones that don't have to deal with in-store or do you feel like they maybe have equivalent hurdles that are the ones that that slow them down in the same way yeah i think uh, we all have different types of challenges and that means that also our competitors have similar challenges and then what we can do is basically take all these ones with our efforts and, you know, then we can create value for our customers in a good way. Yes. Sometimes you think, oh, you know, readability of QR or, you know, in-store, you need to think also of like print and in-store signage, and that might not be the case for certain, you know, online shopping experience. But then, you know, online means also web, web means responsiveness. Then you need to take care of desktop. And there are also other, you know, challenges there as well that you may not have in a native environment for in-store. So I think every team has some pros and cons, every product at Klarna. So, but I think what's great is the, the speed, the speed we're rolling things out and also the, the increase in, in volume, the demand, the request, the interest of, of shoppers and merchants for our in-store products. That is a big motivation. Awesome. Yeah. One other little side question. When you have to do like printed material, do you also pass along? This needs to be put, as you said, like in this particular place next to things, do you have any control over where it's? This needs to be put somewhere for people to give it a QR code or something. Our Peaks marketing uh, team do suggest, and they, I think, test. We, we looked at, you know, changing rooms. We looked at, I'm not sure if changing room is the correct term. <laughs> like exactly, fitting rooms. We looked at, you know, having it like printed next to the cashier or at the entrance of a shopping mall. So we discussed and we looked at what, what works best. And, and, and I think those are very dependent on, you know, how the store looks like, how does the entrance looks like. So we have our suggestions and then there are people, I think on the field that they take care of the final decisions. Well, cool. I appreciate both of you taking the time to chat with me today. Is there anything else, any of these topics that, that we didn't talk about that, that kind of bubbled up in your head before we, before we sign off? Not by my side. That was great. Oh, this was great. The Sender is sponsored by the design team at Klarna. 
is produced by Jonathan Andersson, Francesca Cutulo, Melanie Lovebird, Anusha Hussain, and Rachel Rosenson. To learn more about your regular career paths on the Klarna Design Team, head to klarna.com careers. A special thanks to Aljan Högström for our music throughout this episode. Got questions you want to hear other designers answer? Write us at thesender at klarna.com. See you next time!